you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ, IMZ, and we got a great show planned for you. We're talking a little tennis, we're talking some baseball, a lot of baseball, and we're talking a lot of basketball as well, too. So much basketball that we had to shoehorn some breaking news into the show because to do so would be irresponsible if we didn't do it. You guys come to us and we want to deliver. And first, a little bit of breaking news has to do with the Boston Celtics. GM team president Danny Ainge announced his resignation today. And his replacement, pretty interesting, head coach Brad Stevens getting kicked upstairs in a move, according to Coach Stevens himself, that he is ready for. He's a little burned out on coaching and wants to give this a shot and thinks he would be good at it. And we'll see what happens with the Boston Celtics, especially considering the fact that on paper, on paper, during Danny Ainge's tenure, there has been a lot of success. They have multiple trips to the conference finals, multiple, multiple trips to the semifinals. They won the Larry O'Brien Trophy under Danny Ainge with some help from Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and players of that ilk. Over the last few years, however, things have taken a turn in Beantown and out are players like Isaiah Thomas, out are players like Kyrie Irving, out are players like Gordon Hayward. And just two years ago, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost. And this team just feels like a huge disappointment, considering the fact that just two years ago, they were in the catbird seat. They were the team that other teams aspired to be. So that is something to watch. We'll see who the Celtics target as a head coach and what Brad Stevens will do to kind of shake up a roster that definitely needs some shaking up. Another big news story coming out of Cameron, North Carolina. Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, has announced that this will be his last year as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. And John Shire will take his place once the year is out. 
And, you know, Mike Krzyzewski has had held held a career coaching Army, coaching Duke, you know, being involved with USA Basketball. Like, he is impeccable in terms of resume. And, you know, he's earned the right to try and go out and try and win one more. And, you know, Duke definitely looked outside of the Cameron bubble to try and find a new head coach before settling on Shire. Um, reports indicate that Harvard's Tommy Amaker was on the short list, but ultimately they decided to go with Shire just because he's familiar with the recruiting of the program and has brought in guys, you know, maybe you heard of them, guys like Zion Williamson, you know, just kind of, you know, famous, famous kind of guys. So clearly Duke wants to stay at that level and they don't want to kind of rewrite their cachet with the one and done. So I can understand that. And we are going to see what Duke brings this year, especially since they want to bring one home for coach K. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on carousel shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up D how's it going, man? Yeah. A uh, big surprise uh, from coach K, even though there were rumors of it last year, not that, Last year was going to be his last year, but he's last year he started talking about, you know, the end was coming. Just curious, Roy Williams, this was his last season, this past season. You got to imagine Jim Beheim, I think, is the same age as Coach K. So you got to wonder if Jim Beheim is going to be next. Um, you know, he he's a great college coach, coached the USA team. I think he has five national championships. I think he's only behind John Wooden. Uh, very illustrious career. Uh, I wonder what will happen to Duke moving forward. Their rivalry with North Carolina and the, the ACC in general. And then, you know, talk about Boston. Just really was a disappointing year, like you said. I mean, I think they were in three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals. You get Kemba Walker, you're like, okay, he's going to pick up where Kyrie left off and just was not even close. And you had Tatum doing a one-man show the last couple of games, and it's just like, what do I got to do? I got to score 60 points for us to win? The one game where they did win, he, he went for 50. And you could just tell the talent level just wasn't there. I do like Brad Stevens as a coach. I don't know what his front office position is going to be like. I didn't think Ainge needed to retire, but I did think he dropped the ball this year. The Fournier pickup was a waste of time. They really needed Kyle Lowry. That was the guy. That would have been a difference maker. If you had Kyle Lowry and Jason Tatum, they'd be playing in a game six this week. And they probably would have got to game seven. Uh, it's unfortunate. You know, injuries kind of hankered them down. But... You're right. There's got to be a shakeup for them to get back into the mix. Definitely. And uh, if you are injected with truth serum, right? You're Danny Ainge. If you're injected with that truth serum. Are the words we never should have let Kyrie Irving go come out of your mouth? No, I don't. I don't think he had a choice in the matter. I think there was a fallout. Something happened behind closed doors because when Kyrie wanted out, he wanted out. I mean, this is a guy that went from I'm going to resign in Boston to, like, not even returning people's phone calls. So 
I think there was a fallout. I'm not sure how much he liked playing in Boston. A lot of play, a lot of players uh, claim that it's a it's a tough place to play. Um, they get they get racist remarks, and the crowd and the fans can be really tough on them. Uh, you can't really go out to eat. You can't really do anything in public in Boston. It's not like New York. New York, yeah, we love our teams, but we let them finish a ham sandwich if they're at the deli. We're not all on top of them. We act like we've been there before. Boston, they really look at their players. In Boston, they really look at their players as like gods. Yeah, and this is not anything new, like you mentioned. Um, I believe last year in an interview, Tory Hunter was mentioning how, as an opposing player, playing in front of the Boston crowd was just as damning because there is no filter. They do not care because they're so loyal to their players that they will say whatever and do whatever to get in your head as an opposing player. And yeah, it does kind of dim a little bit when you go there. But at the same time, like you said, it doesn't end. It just just changes the way the fans perceive the player once you put on Celtics green or Red Sox red or black and gold of the Boston Bruins, it it just, it alters quickly, but it's never really gone from the, the underbelly. And as far as the roster construction, we've gone over this. It's Tatum and Brown and a bunch of other guys. When Marcus smart is the third best player on your team, it definitely, it it leads to, it, it leads to, a definite understanding that something needs to change. Something needs to, to go. And realistically, like Kemba Walker has to be the guy that goes, right? I mean, you're not going to trade Brown. You're not going to trade Tatum. I think smart is a free agent at the end of the year. And even then he's a role player on most teams. So the logical conclusion is that you're fielding offers for Kemba Walker, right? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see Taco fall play some more. Um, yeah, they need to get away from that Kemba contract. Uh, he's not the guy. Uh, he was hurt this year, and you, you, we saw, we saw games where he disappeared. We saw a couple of games in a row where he just was not effective. Uh, he's a good player, but I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking with one another. Uh, Boston's a little big, of, too big of a pond for him. Uh, He's better suited in, in a in a smaller in a smaller city, Memphis, maybe San Antonio. San Antonio, he might be really good there if Pop is still there. That's better suited for him. He's not a Boston, New York, or LA guy. He just proved that in the last this last year. Maybe Toronto slash Tampa, and you you can still get Kyle Lowry. So yeah, you know you never yeah. know. Like uh, that that's definitely not off the table. I mean, I believe Kyle Lowry is a free agent at the end of the year, if I'm correct. So, I mean, maybe you kind of work something out, you know, a little draft pick compensation for Kemba Walker going that way. And you just sign Kyle Lowry free and outright. So, I don't know. We will see what happens. But, uh, you know, for one thing, the, the fans are definitely going to be in an uproar until they figure out where the direction is that they're headed and who's going to coach this team. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. And speaking of fans, we got to talk 
about the multiple NBA fan incidents. You had the fan dumping popcorn on Russell Westbrook. You had a Nick fan spitting on Trey Young. You had the guy who ran onto the court while both teams were on one end and tried to touch the backboard and was taken down with a great double leg takedown by security. A little too little too late, but, you know, nice form. Definitely good form on the tackle. These fans have been banned indefinitely. Their tickets have been revoked. But how can the NBA stop this to where they nip it in the bud completely and they don't even think about going on the court? Yeah, I think you, you even forgot to mention the Kyrie thing. You had a water bottle thrown at his face. I forgot about the Kyrie thing. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had two feelings about this. Earlier in the week, I was kind of like, you know what? This is whatever. Um, popcorn, yeah, that's ridiculous. Spitting, that's uncalled for. I mean, back in the day, I've heard stories of players getting beard pour on them. Uh, we've seen wrestling matches where people are throwing stuff in the, in this, in, into the ring, cups, everything, plastic bottles, stuff like that. Yankee fans this year have already thrown batteries. Batteries, you know, so my first initial thought was, all right, you know, shake it off. This is, this comes with the territory, but the other side of me says it's a little ridiculous. Um, I kind of agree with Kevin Durant and this is not a zoo. Don't act like it, you know, treat people with respect. And he's 100% right. Uh, I would never think to do things like that. And it's hard to stop it, right? I think Madison Square Garden does not vend beer at all for any event. You have to go to the concession stands to get your beer. Uh, Yankee Stadium, in the upper levels, they do not give out bottles. Everything has to be poured in a cup. Like there are, there are measures that certain places take to try to control it. Um, a baseball, I think, is a lot easier, and football is a lot easier. I think basketball is hard because it's a tight arena, because fans, on some cases, are right on the court. I'm actually surprised these things don't happen more often. Um, I don't know how you stop it. I don't think revoking their, their tickets and not letting it back in, eh, that doesn't really deter people. Assault charges, criminal charges, that can t- deter somebody. But... Alcohol is a tremendous inhibitor, right? It gives you that fearless juice where you'll go and you'll do anything. So ultimately, that's I think that's where it starts. You cut it all. You cut off the alcohol a little earlier, and you know that will help you control the situation better. Definitely, like you said, uh, alcohol definitely emboldens a lot of people. Uh, just go back to the uh, confrontation that LeBron had earlier this year where, you know, the fans, courtside seats, had a in couple Atlanta. cocktails yeah. in Atlanta, had a couple cocktails, and they decided to poke the bear. Even though, you know, LeBron was very complimentary, that he was so happy that fans were going to be back. You sure, man? Are you, are you sure? 100% on that. But... There are definitely things you can take, but arrests, I don't even know if arrests deter them because we're not, I mean, this is an irrational situation. So if you're already like throwing something at a player or if you're trying to get on the field, 
it's already be- gone beyond the arena of rationality. Some people even look at it as a badge of honor that they got arrested. So but there was also a streaker, I think, last week uh, during a rain delay. Guy's running in from the outfield wall, and he's stripping off all his clothes. He just wants to dive on the tarp. So, like, I, 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 I don't even know if arresting them will, will do it. Alcohol definitely helps, whether – I know some places, some stadiums, most stadiums, it's after the seventh inning, you can't buy alcohol, period, and a sentence. Yeah. Um, maybe that needs to be cut a little bit. Maybe that needs to be trimmed back a little bit to, like, the fourth or fifth inning. Maybe for the NBA, it's like after halftime, it's a dry house. You can only buy sodas and water and things like that. You know, I, I don't know how you police that. And, you know, that's going to be the onus is going to be on security because then at that point, you know, people are going to try and sneak little bottles of alcohol in probably. I mean, thinking from thinking on a standpoint of how will people try and circumvent these rules that you the new rules that you're putting in place. I could definitely see somebody trying to put like a little two ounce nip of fireball in their pocketbook or in their backpack or something like that. Oh, that happens. That happens happens already. They they get it in. I mean, uh, the other, the other option would be, uh, especially for basketball, you know, create a barrier between the courtside seats and the hundred level and make sure you have an usher, you know, standing uh, in close proximity to the aisle or maybe even sitting on the aisle to make sure that no one gets on the court. Uh, you know, another venue that doesn't, I know, I know the MetLife Stadium does not vend alcohol either. That also helps. But, you know, let's also, let's also separate the, the issues, right? I mean, you have a fan running onto the court. Yeah, he was tackled, detained, whatever. Mm-hmm. But throwing things at players and spitting at players, uh, that's a problem. However, however, I will say this. If you're a player and you do something like Kyrie did where he steps on the leprechaun in the center of the court, rubs his feet on it. If you're a Westbrook guy who likes to curse at the fans and says things after you score a basket and like to pump your chest out. Or even if you're Trey Young, if you're if you're calling out the crowd after every basket you make, not that you're asking for it, you're you're making the environment more hostile than it needs to be. True. And you're definitely inciting something. Uh, you go all the way back to the mouse of the palace. Ron Artest laying on the scorer's table. Just like yeah. begging, begging for somebody to do something. Right. And right. they so, did. Right. So, I mean, in terms of proximity, they definitely need to uh, definitely moving the courtside seats back would be a great idea. I mean, if you look at hockey, you look at football, if you want to throw something on the ice or you want to throw something on the field, you got to have a cannon of an arm. They're going to want to have to sign you to a contract to have that happen. So I think moving the moving back to the seats is definitely a good idea. Proximity to the players does not equal rights to heckle. It's not – I mean, we didn't even mention John Morant's family with the racist epithets in Utah. And this seems to be an issue in Utah too because you've had multiple people banned because of racist epithets – towards either the players or the families of players so in proximity you need to, there needs to be a reconditioning of the fandom to let people know that proximity and fandom doesn't mean ownership and it doesn't mean that you have unlimited rights 
Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Right, and while players are seeking protection from the fans, this week Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open, citing mental health. Uh, she wasn't able to handle questions in press conferences and just really didn't feel comfortable in those situations. Great move by her or a little bit of a gutless action here? Well, it's difficult to call people out for this because everybody is different. Everybody has different mental tri- mental health triggers that will kind of crop up at any given time. Some press conferences, you could be fine, depending on the questions. Other questions may trigger something that results in you not being okay for several days. And to some, as somebody who has those kinds of moments on occasion, I can totally understand where Naomi Osaka is coming from. And she's definitely lighter in the pocketbook, too, in the wallet, because they find her 15K. Roland Garros came down hard on her and threatened to default her, so basically disqualify her from the French Open. So I understand from a mental health standpoint, we want to protect our peace and we don't want to answer certain questions that we may find are disrespectful or you know, put us in a negative mind frame. But at the, at the same point, as a professional, you need to find a way, you need to find a happy medium to where you can answer these questions as a professional because it's part of your job. If we go to work and we don't perform certain aspects of our respective jobs, what's going to happen to us? We're going to get fired. So... These are the repercussions put in place by the big four tennis tournaments. Now they've said that they will work with her. They said that they will change or at least, you know, discuss modifications to and accommodations for certain things based on her triggers. And I'm sure the triggers of the other athletes. I know Gael Monfils came to her defense and said he even can't understand because it's, it's specific to her. So, Credit to Naomi Osaka for actually saying it. Like it, it's important to address the issue, but at the same time, at some point, you just got to be a pro about it. And if it really offends you, just say no comment. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, I, you're a professional, and that's the whole thing. It's like if you don't want to play tennis professionally, if you don't want to do this on the big stage, then maybe you should go into the courts in the Bronx and Queens and wherever you live and play with no pressure and nobody asking questions about it. At the end of the day, I, to- I, I totally sympathize with, with her feelings and I'm totally sympathize with any disorder she has, but then this might not be the best business for you. Okay. At the end of the day and for tennis to generate money, for them to generate tickets and for them to generate sales, they got to market you. 
to market you, they got to get reporters writing about you. You got to be on TV. You got to be in the paper. These guys are just trying to do their job. Uh, you know, if you have a problem like Marshawn Lynch did the week of the Super Bowl, he didn't feel like talking to the media. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just and, here and so how, I don't get fined. And how do we look at Marshawn Lynch? He's one of the most colorful dudes out there. Like he's I mean, charismatic. How brilliant is that? And you have other players that battle depression and battle other things. You got to work with your – like, if she doesn't have uh, a good manager, a good publicist, a good PR a good PR team behind her, or a good agent, now is the time to shop for somebody who specializes in that area, okay? All teams have this – I don't know about tennis players, but there's a better way to handle this than the way she did. And I, I really feel like this was something her psychiatrist probably told her to do. And this was just not – this was not the right avenue. I mean, you see players like Chris Chris Webber after he um, infamously tried to call a timeout in the national championship uh, game when he didn't have a timeout. He's a college kid making no money. He had to go to the press conference after that game and answer those questions. How, I about, mean, how about Scott Norwood? Scott oh, Norwood, yeah. I mean, it goes – the list goes on and on because that's what it takes to be a pro. If you don't want to be a professional tennis player, you don't have to be. There are other things you could do. You can make money in other ways. You become a tennis instructor. This, I'm not trying to say just because she has this order she can't play. I'm just trying to say there are different ways to handle this. If you don't, if you needed a break, if you didn't want to play, if you maybe wanted some more time, don't play in this tournament. You don't have to play in this tournament. I mean, even Tom Brady this year, when he thought it was fourth down, or he famously said that, he had to go to a press conference after that game and answer those questions. Hey, that's just part of the job. It's just part of, like me at same thing you said. Me at work. If if my if I have to talk about my job or explain something I did, I can't just I can't say, well, I'm not feeling comfortable talking about this right now. Like I, I have that's it's part of my job. It's part of it's part of what I have to do. Um, so. For me, I just think if this isn't the, this might not be the biz business for her. Not everybody can step on that stage, play to a high level, and answer questions afterwards. It's professional sports is not for everyone. And, and what do you think about these pundits who are saying that going to your own personal social media and addressing your fans and the world in general is enough? That you don't need to engage the media. That you can control your narrative. And you know, what are your thoughts on that argument? Yeah, I, 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 it's hard. It's hard to not. You, you can do that. You can absolutely do that. But that stage isn't as big as the New York Times. That stage isn't as big as the Miami Herald. You, you have to try to engage more people. Like, I don't know anything about her. I don't follow her on Instagram. I don't follow her on Twitter. I get my news about her from ESPN. I get my news on her, about her from from newspapers. So to that end, she wouldn't be she wouldn't be covered as widely. But sticking sticking with the same sticking in the same story, Joe Girardi also has beef with the media regarding giving out uh, reports on player injuries. This is a guy that spent, what, four years as a player for the New York Yankees and then 10 years as a manager? Is his feelings justified as a coach? It is to some degree. Now, for those of you who don't know the story, uh, Joe Girardi 
insisted that Bryce Harper was available, even though he had missed two games and then was subsequently placed on the injured list with a bruised wrist. It's a little bit of subterfuge on Joe's part because you don't want to give the other team a competitive advantage. I understand that. Uh, As somebody who grew up before injuries and designations were made popular, yeah, you know, Kirk Gibson. The the Kirk Gibson moment doesn't happen if Tommy Lasorda has to designate that he's, he's hurt. But at the same time, Major League Baseball is starting to wrap itself up in gambling. And that's what really this is all about. It's about the fan duels and the draft kings and guys that are betting heavily on not just the Phillies, but also Bryce Harper's performance as part of their bets and their parlays. So it wouldn't surprise me if the injury injury report was eventually sponsored by DraftKings. <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But, I mean, Joe Girardi in this day and age needs to understand that it's not about competitive balance. It's not about a competitive disadvantage. It's about the almighty dollar, and it's nothing personal. And just give people what they want to know. I'm just surprised. I mean, Joe Girardi dealt with the New York media for all those years, and Philly media is giving him a hard time. I really think this story is a joke. It's like, dude, if you if you want to lie to the media, then lie to the media. Be that guy. I, I just I, – I don't – like, watch Bill Belichick's press conferences. If you have a hard time answering questions by the media, follow what he does. That guy, he never gets fined. He gives them exactly what the little bit of information that they need. Be that boring and be that down to earth. Again, this comes down to the PR department. He's got to work with his PR department on the best way to get this information out. And it's not going to render, it's, it's not going to hurt your team by saying, oh, Bryce hurt his wrist a little bit, or I'm not sure. It's okay to say I'm not sure. I have to check with the training staff. He's a game time decision. Whatever happened to game time decisions in baseball? Why can't he say something like that? So I, I don't I don't really I have a problem with him coming after the media that way, even though Philly media is is trash anyway. But be a pro. Be a pro. Be a pro. Agreed. And I mean it the, the issue is bigger than Joe Girardi and the media. It's just the continued influx of gambling dollars and influx of legal gambling is always going to take this in that direction. So this is a fight that Joe Girardi is not going to win. But you also – Right, right. But right, but you're but you're also thinking about why he can't lie to the media. But he, he I, I'm pretty sure that he's just trying not to give his competitors an advantage. He doesn't want to talk about – he doesn't want to talk about injuries. But the way – he he's going at it the wrong way. Use that to your advantage, dude. Like – Talk about people that you think could be hurt that aren't really hurt. Like, what are they going to do about that? Like, you you can twist it in your direction. How many times do we watch football all week and a person doubtful, doubtful, doubtful? All of a sudden, he's he's starting. How about all the times when there's a guy that's a game time decision, game time decision, game time decision? All of a sudden, he's out. It's the same thing. I had Jock Jake, Josh Jacobs on my team this year. This guy. Wasn't hurt all week. All of a sudden, on Saturday, I hear he's not playing. It's like, what is going on? This guy was a full participant in practice all week. But that's just them taking advantage. You you have to play your cards better than you're playing them. 
get in. He he. I really feel like he's not he's not working with his DPR department. He's not using it to his advantage. And Joe Girardi has never really been what you call buds with the media, even though he was part of the media. Like that's the the strange thing. Like once he ascended to the managerial position, whether it was in in Florida or with the Yankees or with the Phillies, he's always been contentious. It's always been kind of close to the vest. So at this point, he's demonstrated he's never going to change. So like maybe maybe it's better that, that he doesn't and just defers that part of it to player personnel, like or the GM or you know whomever. Like the maybe. director of your PR department, man. <laughs> like, let them handle it then, if that's what you want. If you want to be that guy, be that guy. Speaking of PR departments, one PR department that's going to be really quiet this week <laughs> is the Toronto Toronto Maple Leafs, who blew their 3-1 lead, and they lost Game 7. Do you think this was bad for the NHL, or do you think the right team moved on? <laughs> <laughs> That's my amount of sympathy for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did the right team win? Absolutely not. The hot team won, and that is what the NHL is all about. Your top four forwards, if you are the Maple Leafs, didn't give you jack shit. Five points from Matthews, four points from Marner, one point from Thornton. I mean, none from Tavares. He only played one game. And Carey Price stood on his head and made you guys the bitches. So, at the end of the day... It's bad for the league in terms of diminished star power because the Montreal Canadiens don't have the level of stars that the Toronto Maple Leafs have, and they're going into a series with the Winnipeg Jets that they will probably lose. But from you know a humility standpoint and a roster construction standpoint, maybe this is the wake-up call that, people, that teams need. Invest in your goalie. Like, that would probably be a good idea. Invest in a good defense. When William Nylander is the only guy on your roster that has a good postseason, you got a problem. And they're and the, the Canadians are dusting off freaking Corey Perry. Corey Perry hasn't been relevant in the NHL in like a decade. And he's scoring goals for the Canadians. Be better. Do better. And, and I love this fact. It's a little factoid that I found today. The Toronto Maple Leafs now have the longest drought in the Stanley Cup, even longer than the Rangers' 54 years. Suck on that. Uh, yeah, I, I actually don't I don't think it was bad for the NHL. I, I think it was pretty great for the NHL. They got seven games of the series. Uh, I think it's bad for Toronto and their fans. Uh, but the Maple Leafs lost one of their best players. They lost John Tavares to a very serious head injury. He's lucky – you know he's skating. Um, I didn't expect. I didn't expect much out of the Maple Leafs after he went down. No, I mean that was definitely a blow that uh, you know you don't expect to happen. It's a gut punch. It's game one, and all of a sudden you're. I mean, the team will go where Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander ultimately lead it. Tavares is more of a veteran presence on the team. He's a veteran superstar, but still, you know, he's not the guy. He's one of the guys. Yeah. And it makes you wonder whether or not Toronto's going to try and get out from under these contracts, at least a couple of them, this coming off season, especially with the draft coming up, the expansion draft with the Seattle Kraken. 
So I wonder if some of these guys, if they have no movement clauses, maybe they'll get their contracts restructured, have a little kicker put in to where, I mean, because Henrik Lundqvist, I believe, was willing, was going to have his contract restructured. Uh, Mark Stahl ha- had something similar to that. Veterans are going to have that kind of put in their face, especially expensive veterans that teams want kind of want to move on from. So I wonder, this is going to be very intriguing, and we're going to have to put a pin in that. And when Joe comes on again, when we talk the expansion draft, we got to talk to Joe Rush about this. Yeah, but I also agree with you, too, in the sense that the better goal he really won, I mean, Price has been around forever. Uh, and he, what what could you really expect? I mean, they uh, they actually benefited from being in the, the Canadian conference this year anyway. So we don't really know how much further that they'll, they would go. I got to tell you right now that watching hockey playoffs has been incredible and the lightning and the Islanders and the Bruins are head and shoulders above all the other teams. In my opinion, I would definitely agree. Um, If we're going to throw out some Western conference teams here, you're definitely looking at, you know, you're looking at the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. They were, on a, they were on a collision course all year, and that first game did not disappoint, even though it was 7-1 Avalanche. But you can, you can hang your hat on that series. That is going to be exactly what you want if you're a hockey fan. Same thing with the Islanders and the Bruins. They are going, going to go toe-to-toe. It's going to be a slugfest. You're going to, you're going to see the better team come through those two particular series. You know, lightning and hurricanes, you know, um, they're the, battling, they're, they're battling. battling. The, the hurricanes are battling, but they're, they're battling, they're battling. They're, they're outdone. Yeah, they're, but they're, I, they're overmatched. That, I, yeah. I still maintain that we're not going to see the best or worst of the best teams. We're not going to see anything until we get to the reseeding round where you actually have to play somebody else that you haven't played all year. So that's when the, the rubber is going to really meet the road, in my opinion. But, you know, the teams that should be here are still here. So that's definitely something good, that right. is good. That's something that the NHL should hang their hat on. There have been no significant upsets unless you want to, you know, count the, the Islanders beating the Penguins. But I don't because Tristan Jarry sucks. <laughs> can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, yeah well uh one team that may be hitting the road soon switching to a different league uh those the los angeles lakers anthony davis day-to-day with a groin strain 
Are the Lakers done? Is this injury going to sink them? They can probably grab a game. I, I think they could probably get it to a game seven. But just on the will of LeBron F. James. <laughs> and, and in a game seven, all bets are off. We've seen Chris Paul have miserable luck in, in game sevens. And, you know, it doesn't look good for them at all. Because even if they do manage to get to the next round, a groin injury this late in the season, they are not long, whether it's this round or the next round. But I don't think that they're going to be I, – I think they're I think they're done. I think the Lakers are done, even regardless of what LeBron can do for them. Yeah, I mean, I've pulled my groin before, and it is painful. I mean, you can't walk. You can't sit. And you're just very uncomfortable all the time. I don't, I don't think Davis is going to return for this series. Or the next series, if there is one. I actually think the more important player on the court is CP3. If the Suns do not have a healthy CP3, the Suns will not win this series. The Suns need CP3 to be more... The the Suns' uh, CP3 is more important to the Lake to the to the Suns than Anthony Davis is to the Lakers. And I was also interested to see that LeBron is 14 and 0 in the first round of playoff series in his career. And that is in jeopardy uh having he might be since he might be exiting in the first round. I mean it's definitely something of note. Um one guy that definitely needs to up his game is Andre Drummond. Like this is specifically the situation they brought him in for. And I don't know if the chemistry is there with LeBron. Just because they brought Drummond in, both AD and LeBron were hurt. And coming back, I don't know if they got the requisite reps to kind of build that chemistry. I mean, granted, you have Marcus Saul as well, but Marcus Saul, I was watching the game. I was watching the game. Marcus Saul looks shot. Marcus Saul yeah. looks old. And, yeah, it's embarrassing. You know, this, this guy was on the Raptors when they won the title. Like, it, it's kind of. It's kind of amazing how much he fell off, but I wonder how much of that was him agreeing to be in a backup role and just not getting the necessary time. But you had, you're out of time. So it's, you know, it's going to be Caldwell Pope. It's going to be Schroeder. It's going to be Kuzma, Caruso. Like these guys are going to have to step up because I don't have faith in the Lakers bigs right now. Yeah, I mean, another team in trouble is the 76ers who will likely be without Joel Embiid, who tore his meniscus. Uh I have been saying it for weeks now that Embiid hits the ground too much. He finally hit the ground in a bad way, and he tore his meniscus. I actually think the 76ers can get to the Eastern Conference Finals without Embiid, but they definitely can't go to the Finals or win the Finals without him. A lot of people have been complaining about players' injuries this year, saying it's really ruined the playoffs. I I kind of agree that it's ruined the playoffs, but that's – Injuries are part of NBA playoff history, right? Mm-hmm. You have players like Pippen and Thomas and Magic and Bird all suffer injuries in the playoffs and tainted the outcome of the series in some way. And the second thing I'll say is that they've just played too many games. Just play 50 games and then have your never-ending playoffs and every year will be <laughs> just fine. And then get rid of like four to six teams so that teams are all the teams are deep not just like the Nets, the Lakers, and the and the Jazz. Make it so every team is deep with talent, and then you'll be fine. We need to accept that. We need to accept 
NBA players are who they are. They're the guys that pretend like they get poked in the eye. They're the guys that lay on the floor when they even get hurt. So in those situations, give these guys 50 games where literally every single game is going to count. Top eight, get into the playoffs. You can have the never-ending playoffs, and then players will be able to make it through an entire season. Yeah, to your point, 80 seconds. That's how long LeBron James was down with a poke in the eye. Kevin Pillar got drilled in the face with a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. He was up in less than 40 seconds. And not only was he only down for about 40 seconds, he joked around, hey, Skip, mind the lineup tomorrow? So it's it's a different mindset, it's a different mentality, and like, look at hockey players. Probably too long. Hockey players, exactly. Hockey players, the same thing. These guys take a stick to the face, you know, <laughs> a, a puck to you know, a puck to their nether regions. They lay out for blocks all the time to block shots. Go, Dan go get Brody, stitches yeah, and Dan come Brody's back. He's in a fucking full body cast for most of his career because of John Tortorella's system, you know, and. I, they don't trade it for a second. So, you know, there, there is an element of the NBA players need to be tougher. But at the same time, like, with the wear and tear on them, like, it, there's got to be a balance. There absolutely has to be a balance. Speaking of balance, there is a little bit of imbalance right now in the Knicks-Hawks series. Uh, it is 3-1 Hawks. And currently... The Knicks are down. It's uh, the third quarter, and it's about to turn to the fourth. But is this all to fall on Julius Randle, or is there something more? I mean, uh, unfortunately, it does because he's been their leader all season. Derrick Rose is exhausted. He's not built to be a starter anymore. Julius Randle's also exhausted as well. And now he's thinking too much instead of just playing basketball. Um you know, I've been, I was talking to a bunch of Nick fans the last couple of days, and he, shockingly, they agreed with me that Randall's minutes need to be cut. He's just he's just too strung out. He needs uh he needs a break, and if that means losing the series, that means losing the series. I mean, let's just think about it. He's he's their best player right now. He's probably the third best player on any other team in the NBA. <laughs> so he's not a he's not a true one. Uh, he is a three, uh, and in some situations a two. I mean, they, they we talked about it in our production reading. They definitely overachieved this year, but um, it looks like it's going to come to an end uh, sooner than later. Agreed, and he is not the only victim. Granted, he is not shooting well at all. I mean, it's picking up today. He is shooting better, particularly from three. Uh, rebounding has been better in this game especially since Clint Capella went and put some bulletin board material up and tried to talk some shit. But even so, it looks like the Hawks are going to, you know, are going to take this. So congratulations to the Hawks. Good luck next round. You're going to need it. But um, yeah, Julius Randle was initially brought in here to be a guy that looks good until you trade him. But the same thing with Reggie Bullock. Like these were the guys that were brought in by Perry to, just kind of fill out the roster until until you can flip them at a later date. But now that the, again, it's something in the water in Madison Square Garden, the rebuild has been accelerated, and you have these guys playing big-time minutes. Same thing with Alec Burks. 
and Taj Gibson, they dusted off Taj Gibson. It's like they brought back the old Chicago Bulls teams. Like, Noah could probably play on this team. He couldn't play for, with, with Phil Jackson. So, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to hang until they get a more proven scorer to be their guy. Randall is more of a complimentary player at this point in his career. Very good, but not a superstar. Derrick Rose is not who he used to be. None of us are, especially after as many knee surgeries as he's had. Uh, Obi Toppin's not there yet. You have Emmanuel Quickly. He's a great spark. He's not there yet. R.J. Barrett's not there yet. This team is the 2015 Mets. They got there too soon. Now, we'll see what happens next year, but I think they definitely need to make a run at a free agent scorer and make sure that they land this guy. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. It's time for the mail route on the fade route. If you want to join us, email faderoutemail at gmail.com. Questions, comments, pics, you name it. FaderoutMail at gmail.com. All right, boys and girls. You know what we're talking about right now. We have a full mailbox. If you want to get at us, email us at FaderoutMail at gmail.com. Slide in our DMs at FaderoutPodcast or DM us on Twitter at FaderoutDNZ. Message number one comes from Randolph in Brooklyn, friend of the show and member of the in crowd. What's up, bros? Marcelo Zuna broke his fingers and then got arrested. Does this sink the Braves? As the Braves fan, I'll cede my time to you. I mean, Marcelo Zuna sinks the Braves. 25 and 27 record sinks the Braves. Negative five run differential sinks the Braves. Mike Soroka out for the rest of the year sinks the Braves. Max Fried, 5.35 ERA, sinking the Braves. Pick your poison. And it, all this stuff is sinking the Braves. Uh, you know, he, he, I actually really like him. I was glad they were able to resign him. But he's not the, to me, he's not the player he was last year. They're just not scoring enough. They're not stopping people from scoring. And I'm just tired of watching them. It's understandable. He has a negative 0.1 war. You're looking at 213 batting average, only seven home runs, a 288 on base, not great numbers whatsoever. He was going to be out because of his fractured fingers, you know, so who knows what he was going to be and when he was going to be it. And then you couple the arrest for domestic violence. He's done for this year and probably most of next year. Um, as far as fixing the Braves, they're in second place, you know, and granted the rest of that division outside of New York Mets is below 500, but you know what? You're still in second place. You definitely can make some moves. 
and, you know, kind of right the ship a little bit. You know, one I mentioned to you, what about calling Colorado for Charlie Blackman? He's actually hitting better on the road this year than yeah. he's at home. I know yeah. you like Nick Markakis. I know you like it. but Yeah, call Nicky. Nick Markakis, it's June, man. I, it, by the time he gets ready in baseball shape, you're looking at August. You could be totally buried. Charlie Blackman's ready to go right now. He might even have his bags packed. Meh. Nah. Okay. All right. If you're Alex Anthopoulos, who are you getting? Like, who are you targeting other than Nick Markakis? Who is it? I'm starting. Is- to, I'm starting to look at vacation spots for October. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> starting to. I'm starting to plan out. Get. I'm, flights are available. I'm starting to look at flights. Trying to see where I'm going to spend uh, the off season. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, one thing that popped into my mind, and this is like, you know, it, I didn't even text this to you because I wanted to hear your organic reaction to this. Ender Inciarte for Gary Sanchez straight up. Yeah, sure. Take it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> the Yankees need an outfielder and the Braves need a catcher. So, well, the, the yeah. Braves need so many things. But, yeah, that, that injury was that really, that injury really messed us up. He was playing so well. Uh, yeah, why not? Just it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's the disappointing because, and every week I'm getting texts from my my other friends that are Braves fans, and they're like, oh, they, they have such tremendous optimism. I'm like, dude, you're just, you're just such a homer that you can't see how bad they are. Right. <laughs> and that's yeah, they're in second place. They're also two games under 500, and the Mets are in first. And the, and and the, I think what Alonzo's hurt, Lindor's not hitting, and uh, well, uh, finally they're giving some. No, they're still not giving run support to to the the best pitcher. So yeah. I think well, Syndergaard Syndergaard's not coming back. How are they even above 500? The Mets. Well, they they're playing over their heads right now with guys like Pilar and Fargus. Pilar. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Pillar and his new nose job. Like, that's good job, man. Nice. Um, who else? Janeshwi Fargus, like I mentioned. They brought in Brandon Drury. They, you know, Billy McKinney is hitting. You know, Tomas Nito is playing above his head. Pete Alonso just came back two days ago, but James McCann was filling in at first base and doing a hell of a job. Like, whatever was in, whatever Zach Scott did and whatever Sandy Alderson did, it worked this year. It was a position they were dealing with an idea that this team was ready to go, and we're not going to saddle the bench with scrubs. We're not going to saddle the bench with AAA players. We're going to saddle them with veteran players with major league valid major league experience, and we're going to see how far we can go. Uh, you know, they definitely need more pitching because David Peterson stinks. He just didn't make it out of the first inning today, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was headed for Syracuse after his dismal ass performance today and maybe Seth Lugo gets straight uh, stretched out a little bit, but the Braves can definitely, you know, still kind of hang around a little bit. The, the Mets have the Mets have played the fewest games in baseball. So like as a Met fan, I have hope, but it's real. It's like kind of backed by realism that they can swoon, especially once they get their, the complement of players back that they're missing, the Confortos, the McNeils, all of that. So the Conforto. It's Conforto. It's not done until it's done, man. As uh, to paraphrase Yogi Berra. <laughs> Email number two coming from Dom in the Bronx. I got a bet out that Shohei Otani is going to win the AL MVP. Are there any dark horse candidates I should be worried about? And I have a few. So 
most of them coming from the American League East, believe it or not. You're looking at Shohei Otani. You're looking at 263, a 2.9 war, 40 ribbies already, 15 homers. Light, I mean, he's on the mound. These are all stretches because if you take into account both on the mound and at the plate, this guy wins, but hands down. But your guy, Vladdy Jr., yeah, a three war. 45 ribbies, 337 batting average, 17 homers. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at. J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox, 2.3 war, 12 homers, 316 batting average, a 389 on base. I mean, 39 ribbies. Totally respectable. You know, who knows what will happen. We're still in June. And then last but not least, you're going to think this is probably a little out there, but Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge went healthy. He's been healthy this year. You're looking at 297, 30 ribbies, 13 homers, and a 1.9 war, pretty much single-handedly carrying the Yankees on his back right now. So those are all stretches when you take into account what Otani's been doing on the mound as well as in the batter's box. But those three could probably give him a run for his money. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the guy I was hanging my hat on the preseason. Vlad G, he's the lead leaguer in home runs. Uh, he's also, I think, uh, second in RBI and he's the lead leaguer in batting average. He is the guy, but that's, that's a real, it's just a dark horse because Otani pretty much has this in the bag since he's the best pitcher on his team and the best hitter on his team. He is the MVP. Some straight up little league with little league type shit. He turned, he he turned major league baseball into little league. He is Joe Madden's son. (laughs) <laughs> as the heir apparent to Babe Ruth. Right? Who, right. who knew Babe Ruth had, uh, you know, had gone to Japan? Oh, well, he did those barnstorming tours. So, you know, he definitely, maybe, uh, you know, maybe he left his secrets over there. Left something over there. <laughs> <laughs> and Herpes, that should have traveled with you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it pops up when you least expect it. Email number three from Rick in Chicago. Was the Javi Baez rundown play the dumbest play in baseball history? Gosh, that was god-awful. For anybody who doesn't know, pretty much two outs. Uh, Javi Baez uh, hits it to first baseman, and uh, the first baseman tries to run at him instead of just stepping on the bag. And then running at him, the player from third scores, and then – no one's covering first, so then Javi Baez takes first base. Awful. So it's it is the worst play in baseball history, but it's right behind Brad Lidge pitching to Albert Pujols in Game Five of the NLCS in two thousand five. <laughs> that one was a bad one. Ruben Rivera's terrible base running, where he got turned around and he was like, it looked like he was doing a friggin' dance, but on second base, and then. They butchered the Arizona Diamondbacks butchered the play so badly that he almost scored and got tagged out because he was just gassed. That comes to mind as well. But yeah, this was just terrible. And the first baseman, I, I don't know if you've ever played first base before, but you know, I mean, his name is escaping me. Is I just uh, it's not I, even worth mentioning his name. It's not worth mentioning his name after that. Just step on the bag and the inning's over. What are yeah, you doing? Exactly. Where are you going? Why are you why are you chasing him? Rob just wants to know what is your name? It doesn't matter what's your name, man. Pretty much. Exactly. 
and I read the post-game press conference where the pitcher said it should have been eight other guys screaming at him, one, 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 two outs, step on the base. And that's just the, the Pittsburgh. Two players. outs, plays the first. Where are you right. going? Where right. the hell are you going? Come back. Right. And at that point, yeah, just let Javi Baez do whatever the hell he wants. He wants to go back to home plate. Like there's no, there, there, there's no base to go back to. Like he's vac- he's vacating. He's basically giving up the at bat. So either let him, or just go st- go step on first base. D- don't initiate a rundown. That doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. And then the catcher, like oh god, throwing the ball in the right field, and then Baez ends up on second, and then scores on the next at bat in the next play. Like <laughs> disaster. Pittsburgh, we gotta talk. Your team sucks, but just God awful. Order up. You know the drill, boys and girls. It is time for order up. Order up. Today, we are ordering up this season's most disappointing Major League Baseball teams so far from five to one. Who you got? Uh, all right. I'm going to start off pretty mediocre. I'm going to say the Cincinnati Reds. And that's mainly because I had high expectations for them. Uh, nothing really to talk about here. I, I thought I thought they were going to be better. Castellanos has been playing well. But I thought Sonny Gray, Wade Miley, and Luis Castillo were going to be really better. I mean, Castillo is one an eight with a 7.22 ERA. Yikes. Uh, number four, I got the Dodgers. They're currently sitting in third place. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I thought uh, earlier this year, I really thought they were just going to kill everyone. I know Seager's hurt and Price just got back from being hurt and Bellinger just got back from being hurt. But uh, I really thought that their pitching staff was just going to shut everybody down. I thought they were going to run away with the, di- the division this year. So, for me, that's somewhat disappointing, especially with them sitting in third place behind uh, two teams I think they're better than. Number three, what is this team called? The Atlanta Braves. Yeah, shocker there. I think everyone expected the Braves to compete this year, not just me. But like I said, Soroka's out, fried with a plus five ERA, negative five. They can't score runs. They have two games under 500. Acuna's hurt. Like almost every other week he gets hurt doing something. Eh, I'm over it. Number two, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Trout's hurt. Their best pitcher is also their best hitter. I think he's also the best cook on the team. Uh, they're they're behind the Mariners, who are or they're behind the Mariners who are trying to lose. It's, you know, we talked to Joe Rush last week. The Mariners are trying to lose, and you're behind them. Big problem. Lucky for them though, the Rangers just dropped into last place. So it'll be a, it'll be a competition who can finish last there. And then my number one is the Minnesota Twins. I, I mean, I really thought that this was going to be their year. They they had everything lined up, and they can't get a win for nothing, man. They barely beat the Orioles a couple of days ago. Uh, they're in last place, and they're behind the Detroit Tigers, another team trying to lose. So, yeah, that's my list. Have at it. A very fair list. Uh, personally, I didn't really put teams on there that were ravaged by injuries. So I left the Dodgers off, but, uh, come on. They're not ravaged. They got like three or four players hurt. They're they're not ravaged, but now they're back. You can actually don't defend them. 
<laughs> well, one team that I'm not defending is my number five pick, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. Three games over 500, not where we thought they would be at all. We thought this team would be towards the top of the division. The pitching has not been there. It's pretty run-of-the-mill throughout their statistics. A 385 earned run average, meh. Batting average against 237, like that, that's actually you know pretty mediocre for where we are in baseball, where 185, you're still starting. Uh, quality starts, eh, they're not doing that great. And they're giving up almost 1.3 hits per inning. You're looking at offense, they're fine. Slugging percentage, they're great. On-base percentage, they're great. They've scored the seventh most runs. Batting average, too, solid. Like the offense is there. The pitching isn't there yet, even with Steven Matz pitching out over his head. So, he really has. He's been playing. He's been pitching phenomenal. He's really been playing really well. I, I got to say, that was a pleasant surprise. And, you know, who knows? Maybe next week we'll do the – we'll order up the top five most pleasant surprises. But, you know, I'm not going to – I'm not going to eat crow on Steven Matz until the season is over. Number four, the Los Angeles Angels. You're looking at, you know, Otani's their best player. They just got Rendon back. Trout, who the hell knows when he's coming back. Very much in the same boat as, you know, as most of the league. 246 batting average, 307 on base. Just a lot of meh offensively. Pitching-wise, it's Otani and a bunch of other dudes. I mean, they have, they're almost one and a half, one and a half hits per inning. Walks per hits per inning. Like <laughs> one and a half, like almost two, like that's that, that's horrible. Your ERA as a as a rotation, as a bullpen, as a collective unit is almost five. Like, dude, I don't know why I keep banking on this team to say they're going to be good. You know, I, I don't. It's me. Like at this point, it's me. I think I got a screw loose and. I can't see what's right in front of my face. The angels are the angels are the angels, and they're not going to get any better anytime soon. Number three, I'm looking at the Reds. The Reds, oh, God, Castillo. What the hell happened to this? <laughs> what like, is happening there? But I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, if the, if the angels were bad, the the Reds are worse. They have Dude, how are you one and eight? How are you one and eight? How does that even happen? You, you got to be a special kind of bad to be one and eight, and you know, and still be in the rotation and still be considered the ace. Like, that's <laughs> part. It's, it's him, Gray, and Miley. And this was one of our best rotations when we ordered up best rotations. We look fucking stupid. And you know what? Yeah, I should vault you to number one for making us look stupid. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, ERA of five, almost 1.4 whip, like, just absolutely awful. And yeah, I get they don't have Joey Votto. Like, I understand that. The offense is there. Like the offense is there. They're kind of they're in top ten in most offensive categories. The the most important offensive categories. They're in the top ten. So clearly, it's the pitching. It, it's just they they got to do something. Like, they got to do something, and they got to do something fast. Number two, again, I fell into this trap the same way I fell into the LA Angels trap, and that's the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins are just the drizzling shits, and 
they're probably going to get their their manager fired, and he hasn't done anything that would lead you to believe that he should keep his job. You know, towards the bottom of you know, towards the bottom in most pitching categories, you know, four point six three earn run average, eighteenth in WHIP, two two fifty one batting average against like. You're, they're just teeing off on these guys, like the Pinedas and the Haps and the Maedas. They, they're just not good. They're just not good at all. And offensively, that's not going to be good enough. It's not good enough to carry this mediocre pitching staff. And number one, we had high expectations. The Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are easily number one. I mean, yeah, the Ozuna thing, it hurts them. But, like, you've already listed the myriad of problems that they already had. And this team, it, it can't just be Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna leads the team in almost every offensive category, right? It, even alphabetical. Right? It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, they, they just need to find – Even in team. trips to the bathroom. <laughs> He's right up there with Lamar Jackson. Like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe he, that's what he needs to do. He's come out with some TP on his spike – and just get going. Uh, I mean, 447 ERA is a rotation as a roster. That's not good. Like they're hitting, like their slugging percentage is third in the league. So it's just not good. And I don't know how their, how their minor league system stands up. And I don't know if they'll be able to withstand what's going on. And I, as a Met fan, I don't want to put this out there, but at the same time, we had aspirations, the two of us had aspirations of this being something that we would kind of talk shit to each other about throughout the entire summer, and it's not, it's looking, it's not looking good. For the, no, my for team's the friendly, bad. For the friendly banter, for the friendly banter, it doesn't look good. I can't even fake it, my team is bad, I can't even joke about it. <laughs> well, my team has been bad for the better part of a decade, so you know what, even a blind squirrel finds a nut, man. So... We'll see what happens, but as of for this year, that's my five to one. And what's your five to one? Hit us up, Fade Route Podcast on IG, Fade Route Mail at gmail.com, and Fade Route DNZ on Twitter. Get at us and let us know. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, and other outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.